This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Oh, goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh, he plays. Oh, he's the Welcome to the Republic of Football show that's also trying not to get fired by Elon Musk, like he's doing apparently everybody involved with Twitter right now. He's a very smart man. Very smart. Definitely knows what he's doing. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, the assistant managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and managing editor of TexasBasketball.com. Sitting here next to me is Mike Craven. Mike, what's up, man? Doing pretty good. Saving $8. Yeah. Every was, single month. Not I was about to say, my money. Yeah, I was about to say, I loved when he released his business plan of like, yeah, if like we have how many million users, if like eight million just pay eight bucks, right. this is a good venture. Yeah. So very smart man that people in a bunch of cities in Texas in particular are throwing a lot of money to, to basically invest in their entire city. That's another thing entirely, but <laughs> somebody who uh, is playing the role of producer, quarterback, defensive back, kicker, offensive coordinator this week is everybody's favorite Mal Pal, Mallory Hartley. Hi, Mallory. Ignore the bags under my eyes, please. <laughs> Player coach. Sarah. Player coach, basically, yes. <laughs> All of the manager. above. <laughs> just, just keep it coming. Keep it going. Guess who water. doesn't have to, to worry about paying for Twitter? Because I never had a check mark in the first I place. I never did either. So, so this is good. We didn't even have that problem. I was about to say, so look, life I, is good. I can, I can go on a huge rant about the check mark, about like how 90% of the people. And Craven's like, it. I don't even care if I have it well, or not. Like, Craven's <laughs> somebody you could take that away today, right yeah. now. And he wouldn't right. Yeah. But like, newspaper gave it to me. I woke up one day, there it was. Exactly. I'm under the impression that like, 90% of the people that had the check mark did not need it. Because, yeah. like, if unless you're like the president, right. like, no one's, imp- right. no one's impersonating the right. local hey, the uh, education. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, right. No one's impersonating the-, the local education reporter, no offense, you know, but like, that's but not here, something that needs verifying, in my opinion. But, here's the thing now yeah. anybody can have a check mark. Oh, yeah, no, mark. That's, that's the stupid and part. And that's even it. worse <laughs> that's than before more. because Jeez. I've seen people on Twitter and I'm like, you don't need to be verified. I was about to say, they sir. saw a problem. Like, you saw, don't need to be verified. They saw a problem that wasn't really a problem. Right. And they were like, we're going to solve this. Gonna- <laughs> and then, like, nothing solved. And they no, just made it 10 times worse. It just makes but it 10 worse. times funnier, too. So right. that's sure. my opinion. Um, so, anyway, if you're watching us now, we're live, but not really. Because, again, everybody's busy this week. I just mentioned the 50,000 things Mallory has to do. So we are recording on Tuesday. You're seeing this on Wednesday. Every week, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all that stuff. Yeah. Or I, you're I got listening- basketball tickets. Oh, that's right. That's Craven's right. got going, basketball going tickets. Texas he's, Gonzaga. He's got to see a premier yeah. matchup yeah. right now. No, so. I'm pretty excited. In the Moody Center. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's first, be nice. first primetime matchup yeah. in that in that yeah, new arena. So, uh, yeah, so basketball. we're recording this on Tuesday. Um, let's see if you're listening to us, of course. Apple, Spotify, all that, wherever you get your podcast content from. On today's show, of course, we got a rundown of everything we usually do, but also we got some headlines, a couple little things. Craven dropped a dope story that we'll get into in a bit, but first. I do want to get into it's semifinalist season. As, as, as everybody loves in August, it's watch list season, right? right? Where 3,000 names, every single player in college football is nominated yeah. for a watch list. Yeah. And every, every SID blesses that they have content for a week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah. so the Davey O'Brien Award given to the annual, uh, uh, the annual award given to the best college quarterback in the country released their semifinalist list. 
And we got three representatives from Texas. Let's go. We got Frank Harris from UTSA. We got Tanner Mordecai from SMU. And we got Max Duggan from TCU. Which one of those did we not see coming at the beginning of this year? (laughs) Max Duggan Duggan was not mentioned in the magazine. No. As one of the best quarterbacks in the state. I think I can, we had I don't, Chandler Morris. I can almost starting. guarantee he was not a watch list. No. <laughs> no. Recipient no. For this. Absolutely This not. part of the year bugs me because I have to do all this voting. Yeah, you know, sure, I don't. Yeah. This, that may sound like a humble brag to some. I do not mean it that way. <laughs> it is, uh, it's a pain. Yeah. Because uh, we're so Texas-centric. It's like, how do I? Like, I don't know. Like, what I, are I your can thoughts tell you on J.J. McCarthy right, from Michigan? Like, well, and I don't know how to compare it. <laughs> like, it's like, I know, like, who's having a good quarterback you know, season in the state, sure. but I don't know how to compare it. Cause like, I really just don't watch, don't watch a ton of national college football outside of uh, the Lone Star state. Really, Right. I just, I do like that. Like one, I think it's cool that Tanner Mordecai is getting this notification recognition because a couple weeks ago we were talking about if it was time to move on from Tanner Mordecai. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, two, I think if you would have said three quarterbacks would have been nominated, I think that would have been believable at the beginning of the year. Sure. I don't think obviously Max Duggan wasn't one of them. I think it would have been, Clayton Toon. Clayton Toon, yep. but also, I don't know if we expected this level of Frank Harris, right? Maybe mm-hmm. he was the one that was, I wouldn't have been shocked to see him on, but it might have been maybe we would have presumed a Quinn Ewers, right? Maybe coming on. Yeah. But I think Frank Harris elevating his game even more from what it was last year, which was still one of the best players in the state, one of the top quarterbacks in the state. I think that shows the step that he's taken forward to be, to be the shoulder of that offense, right? We talked about what we think this UTSA team was going to be or what we thought they were going to be heading into the year without a reliable running back and Cecilia McCormick and Frank Harris just said nah I got it right yeah and so we when you mentioned two you mentioned one name and I mentioned the other that were kind of probably guys that we presumed would be in the conversation Clayton Toon and Quinn Ewers Clayton Toon I think he's he's fixed things right he started off the year okay right it wasn't bad um, and then he's after the bye week, he's looked really good. But as kind of the hype with Houston's gone down, he's kind of been a, a kind of a, a a victim of that kind of yeah. sailing off. And of course, Texas with what it going shows on how much expectations matter because Tanner Mordecai is having about the same type of year that Clayton Toon is. Sure. Yeah. But six and four at SMU feels a lot better than six and four at Houston, so it feels like Clayton Toon's having a disappointing year. And as a team, they are. Yeah. But Toon's been pretty good. Uh, for the most part, and so and also Mordecai had a ten touchdown game on national television the against, other week. You know, against, against Clayton Toon. Against yeah. Clayton Toon. I was wondering who if had a seven touchdown right. game, right? Yeah. <laughs> who had a pedestrian day of seven <laughs> touchdowns? If Houston uh, wins that game, is Clayton Toon on this list? Oh, 100 percent. I think so. Yeah, like if, yeah, if probably, Houston's yeah. like you know seven and two, sure, you yeah. know, or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with like what we think that they're going to be and how they live up to that or don't live up to that. Sure. I think one of the cool things is looking at just looking at the company, right? I think, you know, you see it's literally every top quarterback, Drake May, Hendon Hooker, Caleb Williams, Bryce Young, and then you see Max Duggan out there, right? Right. So it really is like a validation of what they've done this year. Started on the bench. Exactly. This is nuts, man. All right. So I mentioned off the top that Mike Craven had a new joint dropping. And it is pretty sick, man. This is called Reviving the Revivalry, TCU and Baylor. Something that we found out about this year was that Texas and A&M were not going to, within the next year, they're not going to be the, yeah. the most played rivalry in the state anymore. I The genesis of this story was I was doing research for Sam Houston SFA. Because ah, okay. I wanted to see where they stacked up in terms of how often they had played compared to everybody else. And sure. it was like 96 or 97. So I was like, oh, I wonder who's played more than that. Mm-hmm. And I started putting the list together, and it was Texas, Texas A&M, as you'd expect, at 118. Mm-hmm. 117 was Baylor TCU. And so awesome. uh, with them playing this year, it was like, okay, they're going to tie that. 
Well, Texas isn't joining the SEC until at least 2024. By the time Texas and Texas A&M pick their rivalry back up, TCU Baylor is going to be the most played Texas on Texas program stuff in, in, in the state. And so then you start researching it, and TCU and Baylor were both in Waco when they started football in 1985 or 1895 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there was just a lot of overlap. They're small Christian universities. Um, and then I finally remember the Art Bryles, Gary Patterson rivalry. Mm-hmm. I love it. We've talked about it on the show many a times. We are wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. Right. Give us rivalries that yes. start at the top and trickle down drama all and, that stuff. right and those two coaches did not like each other that originated in 2013 when a Baylor assistant and Gary Patterson got into a little spat on the field and then after the 61 58 comeback win for Baylor the next year their team photo had two guys next to it you know number 61 and number 58 right next to each mm-hmm. other with Art Browse right behind them and it just became this awesome rivalry that became the marquee matchup of the Big 12 because sure. Texas was starting on their downslope. Mm-hmm. And A&M was leaving. Was with A&M the had just left. Flash forward to now when Texas is about to leave the SEC and the Red River rivalry is about to leave the SEC and Baylor is the defending Big 12 champion and it feels like Dave Aranda's there for the long haul and they've found a head coach. Sonny Dykes moves over to TCU and they're 10-0 and they're mm-hmm. guaranteed a spot in the Big 12 championship game. And it dawned on me that maybe – this is the time where we revive the revivalry that we can get back to what we thought was going to be a 20 year war mm-hmm. between Patterson Bryles that was cut short for obvious reasons that we don't need to get into on this podcast. Right. Um, but it could be that again, sure. right? Like Dykes versus Aranda could be that because it's, it's, Offensive coach versus defensive coach. Yes. You know, like Manning versus Brady, we never actually got to see them on the field play against each other. Right. But, like, with these coaches, we get to see the offensive-minded Sonny Dykes, the defensive-minded Dave Aranda, and they get to go back and forth for years to come. And it's always a close game. Like, even last year, Baylor was cruising to a Big 12 championship game. TCU had fired their coach of 20-plus years, was on their backup quarterback, and they won that game 30-28. to mm-hmm. On Saturday – Fox News or Big Fox Noon kickoff's going to be there in Waco. TCU's 10 and 0 cruising towards a Big 12 championship and Baylor can play spoiler. Yep. And so this could become the yearly game that decides this conference. Mm-hmm. And it's one that has 100 plus years of history and one where the original like where the concept of homecoming comes from. Right. Is I was this game. Say that, yeah. So uh, it was fun talking to the old players and uh, you know hearing their thoughts on the Bryles Patterson stuff because that was always interesting. And it was a cool story to write because, like, history and college football are two of my favorite topics, and I got to combine those two things. I was about to say, definitely go check it out because, yeah, you dropped that little nugget about homecoming. You know, obviously Kansas-Missouri lays a claim to that too, but it's like an interesting little wrinkle in there to see which one does. You know, certain maybe the calendar aligns more with TCU-Baylor. Um, you talked, you mentioned you talked to former players, players like Bryce Petty, Julius Lewis, Levi Norwood. Spencer right? Drango. Spencer Drango. Like, there, he talks to a lot of players yeah. in here about what that rivalry meant and, like, when and it was at its peak a couple right. of years ago, just under a decade ago. I thought Andrew Billings had the coolest quote in there. Mm. And mm-hmm. it was about, like, everybody at TCU had been offered by Baylor and everybody at Baylor had been offered by TCU. Oh, cool. This game is about who made the right choice. Sure. And that's, that's cool. what Texas and Texas A&M always was. Yeah. Right? It was like, which recruit made the right choice? I chose Texas. We beat y'all three out of the four times I was there. Or mm-hmm. I chose A&M. We beat you two out of the three. That that's what this rivalry is, and now you add Big Twelve championship stakes to it on a year in year out basis, and it could be with the expanded playoff. Yeah, this can become a game that has national uh, ramifications every single year. One hundred percent. So definitely, like I said, go check that out on TexasFootball.com. We have it up on our Facebook page, on our Twitter page, all that stuff. Go give it a go give it a read because yeah, it's definitely 
a nice a nice little nugget that we just that Mike Craven happened to stumble upon yeah. as he was doing it. I told story. the schools about it. Right. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, you're the one that they were like, oh, right. Right. And yeah. then like all of a sudden it's in Baylor's game notes. Right. <laughs> I was like, hey, look, oh, we, got, yeah. we got this thing. So <laughs> yeah. Mike you're like, you're welcome. dropping some <laughs> dropping some favors. So uh yeah, definitely go get that a read. All right. Speaking of that game, Mallory, let's just get right into our games of the week. You should have guessed it. The first one we're going to talk about, TCU playing Baylor this Saturday at 11 a.m. You can watch it on Fox. TCU coming in as only three-point favorites, and the over-under is set at 57.5. To me, this game and rivalry feels like it doesn't matter how good or how bad the other team really is. It's going to be close, yeah. and it's going to be a dogfight. You know, that's just kind of what it feels like to me. Yeah, throw out the records. The last four games have been decided decided by an average of 6.25 points mm. per game. So yeah. this one's going to be a close one. The line suggests that Baylor's at home. And they just got beat 31-3 to I was about to say, by Kansas just, State. Yeah. Like, They're ready I to imagine, come back and right. storm like, this it. Is yeah. a, this is a show that you're not that team mm-hmm. type of game, right? Everybody's counting us out. TCU's on the way to a national championship game. We just got our brains beat in. You let's go spoil other. some yeah. stuff. Right. Like, let's go – like I just mentioned, TCU did this to Baylor last year. Mm-hmm. Where TCU upset Baylor and almost ruined their shot at a Big 12 championship game. So, yeah, I agree with Mallory. Throw all that out the window. For me, this comes down to the trenches. Yep. The defense that can stop the other team's running game is going to win this football game because as much as we talk about Max Duggan, Quentin Johnson in that passing game, Kendra Miller in that offensive line is what makes TCU go. TCU was struggling to move the ball until they were able to find that big run for Kendra Miller, and then they were able to run the clock out with that four-minute offense late against Texas. Baylor last week got behind early and couldn't use that running game. They only ran the ball 23 times last week against Kansas State. So I'd imagine we see a lot of Richard Reese. We see a lot of Squirrel Williams. We see a lot of Kendra Miller on the other side, and both of these teams tried to establish the line of scrimmage and just out-physical the other one. Yeah, more on that, more on Baylor a little bit. That was probably outside of maybe – Oklahoma State, his first year, that was easily the worst loss of Dave Aranda's year, uh, tenure so far mm-hmm. at Baylor. Just in terms of beatdown of what the program is, because that you can make the argument, and it's a good argument, that first year Oklahoma State, right, Oklahoma State was kind of ascending to where they are, where they were last year, and Baylor was obviously in a rebuilding, a massive rebuilding phase, and so they, I think they lost like forty-two to three or forty-two nothing or something like that in that game. So like, okay, you can throw that out, right? Then now you're a fully more or less a fully fledged Dave Aranda program. Three. Yeah. And you still had everything to play for and you just get your face put in the dirt. Right. Home. Yeah. And so, yes, I definitely think that that's going to play a huge factor into this game. Dave Aranda mentioning how we need to have a counter punch. If somebody punches in the, in the face, not being that team to back down because they have, I mean, again, that hadn't happened to them before, right? Where they just get absolutely outclassed in every phase of the game. Like last week, of course, TC still has everything to play for, too, right? They're now, now they got past their first big hurdle, right? Texas, national TV, game day, all that stuff. Boom. Now it's like, okay, now let's, con- can they continue that momentum, right? Was, that's kind of been the question when November was approaching, was obviously the November sunny thing, but just national title expectation, or not expectations, but aspirations now, right? Now that conversation's real. It's no longer, you know, oh man, that'll be cool to get in. It's like, no, you're in. <laughs> you're in if you went out. So managing that now, because you're already in the, and it's the other thing is you're already in the big dull title game too right so yeah it is managing those aspirations now so i agree 
Um, I think TCU pulls it out just because I do think that that next level of firepower that they do have, even if, you know, we were questioning Quentin Johnson's health, he looks pretty damn healthy after last week. Um, I think clicking on all cylinders, this TCU team just has too much for this Baylor team right now, uh, mainly because of the the setback on defense that this Baylor team has taken um, in in uh, its phases of the game. And Max Duggan is better than Blake Shapin right now. Sure. And so 100%. if the running games wash each other out, you know, I, I give me Max Duggan to have a better game. 100%. Mm-hmm. What's next? Let's move on to Ish's game of the week. Mm-hmm. SMU playing at Tulane this Thursday at 6.30 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN. Tulane coming in as three-point favorites. The over-under set at 65. If this, w- this will if be a good one. At halftime of last week, I would have picked SMU to roll. Because Tulane was looking outclassed by UCF for a lot of yeah. that game. And then they absolutely stormed back, made it a game, lost by only a touchdown. And it was like, oh, okay, they weren't like the, the stage wasn't too big for Tulane. Tulane's legit. So now, kind of going back to Tulane a little bit, because it, I think UCF maybe just caught him off guard a little bit to start the game last week. I think uh, Gus Malzahn just had a really good game plan going in, and that just ended up winning out. I desperately worry about this SMU defense against this just because I feel like eventually it's got to catch up back up to them again right you can score 77 against Houston right and get it done when your defense is, is garbage I don't think you can you can do it against a South Florida team that you know isn't just isn't as talented as you Tulane looks like they're more talented looks like they play all three phases of the game maybe not offense as, as better than you but definitely not bad they they have a pretty good defense. Their running their running game is pretty good, which is the kind of been the the unsung hero of this SMU's offense past couple of weeks. I worry about this game a lot because Tulane definitely looks like the real deal when it comes to the AAC. <laughs> I was surprised Tulane's only a three point favorite at home. Yeah, because you know, that suggests it's pretty much a pick 'em game right. in a lot of people's mind. SMU's playing really good football. They're on a three game winning streak. You know, they they scored seventy seven <laughs> points on Houston as we talked about. They were a little sloppy in the first half last week against South Florida yeah. uh, and played a really good second half. What gives me hope if I'm SMU is the balance they're starting to get on offense. Mm-hmm. This is no longer we got to throw the ball 50 times, Tanner Mordecai or Preston Stone's got to do everything. Rasheed Rice has to catch 13 passes or we have no chance. With Tyler Levine yep. and then the emergence of Kamar Wheaton to kind of be the lightning to the thunder there, what Ulysses Bentley was for that offense last year, mm-hmm. really opens things up. I – I think I'm to a point where I just believe in Rhett Lashley's ability to score points. Sure. Like, just everywhere he's gone. That's what I like. Look at what Miami's offense looks like now, for mm-hmm. example. You know? Right, yeah. like, and so, and then just digging through some numbers at SMU, you forget how good that 2019 offense was that he engineered. Like, they have every single record, yep. basically, in school history um, that year. Because I was trying to see where Rasheed Rice kind of landed in that because he's having such a great year. Mm-hmm. And every record you find for SMU is 2019. So, I'm on the SMU can score points trains. Tanner Mordecai's looked excellent. But like Ish, that SMU defense, specifically the back end, scares me to death. Mm-hmm. I, I guess it's hard yeah. to believe in SMU when they're that leaky defensively. They haven't played a team in a while that could take advantage of that, and the one that they did was Houston, who couldn't stop anybody either. Right. And so if Tulane can get a few stops, it feels like SMU's defense is going to be hard-pressed to match them that way. It, it's going to need to be Tanner Mordecai, Rasheed Rice, and that offense outscoring Tulane, in my opinion. Yeah, Tulane is a team that – under Willie Fritz, they used to be kind of just a running team, right? Now they're just a really good running team that has 
a reliable passing game with Michael Pratt now, yeah. who I believe is in his third year as a starter, second, third year, something like that. He's been really good. Uh, they still have everything to play for as well because they, if they went out, I think they get Cincinnati, so they still have technically their ticket to punch the AAC title game. Um, obviously, he took a step back last week, so now they're in kind of a no, you know, uh, no more mistakes, right? Yeah. They they have to keep going, so that's what I worry about a little bit. SMU bowl eligible, right? Their their first line goal was checked, right? They doused Red Lashley with the water last week. I'm not saying they're going to give up, but the hard part's over for them, right? And now Tulane definitely still has everything to play for, in addition to being the more well-rounded team. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's what worries me. Our last game of the week, and it's mine. I picked it like two minutes ago. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if it's going to be that good, but Texas Tech playing at Iowa State this Saturday at 4 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN3. Iowa State coming in as three-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under is set at 48. In Mallory's defense, it is a light week. Sure. It's it a is, very light it is not <laughs> a heavy-lifting week. You know That is the closest line spread of any of the other yeah. games remaining. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it's a really important game for Texas Tech, right? It They're is. one win away uh, from reaching bowl eligibility. Say what you want about Oklahoma, but you don't want to go into the final game of needing, the, needing right. to beat Oklahoma. Who is more talented than you are, mm-hmm. no matter what mm-hmm. is happening under Brent Venerables? So, uh, and then also, this is my—they're 0-4 on the road. Yeah. Like, you don't want to go 0-5 point. on the road your no. first year as a head coach, right? Go win a road game. Prove that you can. Carry some momentum into the offseason. Have some proof of concept. And so if you go winless on the road, that's going to draw some questions. Like, hey, do we need to mix some stuff up here? Do we need to figure out what we do in terms of our schedule on the road? If you can go and beat an Iowa State team, then you look at it and you go, okay, well, all our best – opponents were just happened to be road games and we lost yeah. them because they were on the road. You know, sure. they're all ranked teams. Um, and so I, I think it's important for Texas Tech from a culture building first year standpoint yes. to keep checking off boxes. And the one that they have remaining is bowl eligibility and road game win. They can check both of those boxes in one game if they can go on a road and beat a beatable Iowa State team. Yep. Yeah. 100% I agree. I think you look at the other thing that's that's still on the table that I think would be it's not something to necessarily motivate the team for, but I think would be a nice boon for the administration and McGuire. If you go out and you win seven games in the regular season, the year after you fire Matt Wells, right, after making a call when they were looking like they were probably going to win six, seven games last year, right, you made that call for the future. If you go out and just get that one win improvement in the regular season, okay, step in the right direction immediately, yeah. right? You automatically get that val- instant validation that – wasn't a guarantee, right? We thought maybe five, six wins this year, which, okay, you're making a play for the future. But if you had that immediate success, okay, now everybody's feeling happy, right? Everybody's feeling that way. Um, so, yeah. Because that out-of-conference schedule is much harder this year. Sure. You know? 100%. So. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think I like I like this game of the week pick because it is like it, – it's, it's, a, it's a good vibe check game, right? Are the vibes good in Lubbock right, right. now? And could they get better? And also – Speaking of vibes, team that could need some vibes is Iowa State right now. They're yeah. still they're still playing for a bowl too, so yeah, they it's got be, they have something to play for. Yeah, they only have four wins and they've got two more games left, so they mm-hmm. they got to win out to be able to make a bowl game. And then one more little nugget: Texas Tech can quietly finish with a winning record in Big Twelve play if they win out here, if they beat Iowa State and Oklahoma. Anybody Man. know who the head coach was the last time? Texas Tech finished with a winning record in the Big 12. Was it Leach? Kingsbury? Mike Leach. Man. No. I was about to say, yeah, Kingsbury. It's not. been yeah. over a decade. 
Man, so there's like I said, there's talk about a vibe check. You want the you want the party to be you want to show improvement. Yeah, you want to party into the off season. We saw what McGuire did just by stepping on campus last off season. Now he all of a sudden can say most successful season in conference since Mike Leach. Give him that torch to light, and he is running with it. So yep, yep. All right, let's get in the wide zone. It's my idea. Texas. I was about to say that, but (laughs) I figured I'd be nice to you today. (laughs) Texas A&M. Hosting UMass. Oh, speed of vibes, Jeff. This Saturday at 11 a.m. on <laughs> SEC Network. Texas A&M coming in as 33 and a half point favorites. The over/under set at 47. Who thinks Texas A&M is going to score 33 points? <laughs> Who thinks Texas A&M is going to score more than 20, 23 points? Does Vegas know? You know has what? Vegas watched this Fair team enough. consistently? Yeah. I this mean, year? Vegas has this at about a 40 to seven game. You know, with the 33 and a half and the 47 over, they're basically predicting A&M to score about 40 points. I think I'm with Mallory. (laughs) Where are you looking? I don't know where. I see 28 to three. I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess Devon A. Chain can touch the ball a million times. You know, I mean, they played an FCS team and they scored 31, a little over 30 points. Yeah, you know, it's like. Yeah. Dude, I don't see it. Sam Houston it. might beat UMass, though. I was about to say, yeah. Yeah, Sam, Sam Houston's pretty good, yeah. but yeah. Especially at that point. They've been redshirting. Anyway, I'm going to turn this into a sub-FBS <laughs> podcast here. Let me just talk about Sam Houston. Uh, I mean, it's a get-right game for A&M, right? This is just yeah. like a pad your stats, make everybody feel good. Invite you know, the recruits out. Re- yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, remember, we right. can win games. Like, right. please. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, you just Stay. snap that six-game losing streak so yep. people can stop talking about that. But really, there's not much interesting here to talk about no. in this game or with A&M. All eyes go to the offseason and how many people they lose in the transfer portal. Yep, literally. Um, UMass is bottom of the nation in basically everything. <laughs> <laughs> so the good thing is the one thing that UMass does well is they defend the pass well. Good thing A&M ain't going to be doing yeah. nothing to do that. <laughs> so there you go. There's a positive for you. Let's just move on from this because <laughs> it's not UTSA hosting Rice this Saturday at 12 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN Plus. UTSA coming in as 13 point favorites. The over under is set at 61. Is this a is this a low spread to you, Craven? Should yeah. UTSA be favored by more? Yeah, probably. Probably, especially oh, right especially now. if we don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback. If it's going to be T.J. McMahon, if they're going to go the backup. They played two quarterbacks last week um, in that loss. They both throw. They both threw two, two interceptions. <laughs> um, so I'm not, you know, I'm not sure the health, you know, of McMahon and what's going on there. That'll probably be talked about later yeah. in the week. Um, that's kind of the tough part about recording this a day early. Sure, sure. You know, a lot of that stuff kind of comes right. out by Wednesday morning, but. Um, yeah, I think for I think the the trepidation for UTSA is do they rest some people? Yeah, you know they they've guaranteed their spot into to conference USA championship game. It's not like they're playing for an undefeated season or a record or a poll or anything right. like that. They're just trying to win conference, right? It's a lot like high school where you're just trying to win your district. Um, and so, do they rush some guys this week? They don't get a secondary buy like North Texas gets because mm-hmm. they didn't play in week zero. So, do they use some of that? Rice absolutely has more to play for because, as we've mentioned many a times, they got to steal one either this week or next week to get to six wins and get that bowl invite. What gives me uh, hope's the wrong word, but the reason that I don't think UTSA is going to stub their toe in a way that they did maybe last year is they're deeper at the running back position. Kavorian Barnes mm-hmm. coming on has been 
probably the biggest storyline for UTSA this year because we all knew what Frank Harris was going to be. Sure. And we all thought that defense was going to be middle of the pack, upper echelon for Conference USA standards, but not a dominant defense that it was at times last year because right. they lost Clarence Hicks and then Rashad Wisdom got injured. But we did not know what the running game was going to look like. Mm -hmm. We had no idea what the running game was going to look like. And Barnes is averaging seven yards a carry in Conference USA, and he's becoming a, an all-conference type level running back as a freshman. Mm -hmm. And so that balance, usually you're running game travels and your running game handles adversity and games where maybe you sleepwalk into mm. timing can get messed up in the passing game a couple drops can happen you can look sloppy there but for the most part you can put the ball in your running back's stomach and tell them to run forward for five yards and go beat a team rice is beat that defense is bad so if yeah. you're utsa you just win the turnover battle yep i was about to say in in a vacuum Against anybody, really, because Rice has not been able to control a game for a full game. And as yeah. we saw against Charlotte, that a team where we expected that, right? The opposite happened. They need to play a closer game. The problem is UTSA is not the opponent. One, that's going to yeah. probably get caught in a close game against a Rice this year. But two, they win those anyway. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, the one avenue that I see for Rice is not – this is not the opponent you need to have that again. You need to do that Because the recipe for UTSA is you just beat them up. Yeah. Like the way North Texas got them last year at the end of the year. Yeah. Yep. Right. You just line up and like you just you just out physical. Maybe in the rain. You in know, the, the rain, rain plays the a cold. factor, right? So yeah, exactly. They're like, what is this? Yeah. UTSA is <laughs> like, is what is mean? happening right now? What's falling from the and, sky? And UNT's like, <laughs> our game. That's right? true. Yeah. That's true. That the dome can get nice. <laughs> right. The dome can get nice. It's always what is seventy-two this thing degrees. Falling on us. But Rice <laughs> yeah. isn't built that way. No, exactly. No. no. You no. think of a Mike Bloomgren team and you think that it might be. Sure. But it's not. No. It's not that type of team. It's more of an explosive offense. Score some points the defense is going to let some plays happen type deal you're not going to outscore utsa right you know like over you need, to, you need to line up and punch utsa right. in the mouth you're going to have to beat them 20 to 13 basically not 40 to 38 yep mm -hmm. let's look at an american matchup houston playing Oof. east carolina this saturday at 1 p.m you can watch it on espn plus East Carolina coming in as six-point favorites. The over-under, 67. I'm had, terrified of this game. Had I – terrified, <laughs> shoot. I'm terrified of this game. Houston's a six-point dog to East Carolina. That's all we have to say about the state of Houston Cougar football compared to what we thought it was going to be coming into the year. Mm -hmm. East Carolina. Listen, East Carolina, Carolina – Six wins. Yeah. Six-win team. East Carolina – has done a pretty damn good job under yeah. Mike Houston. Yes. Um, and that's why I'm terrified of this game. Oh, no, they're going to win. They're, they're going to win this game because of that. We When he when he first took that job, I think it mentioned on Split Zone Duo, where uh, Mike Houston was it was a weird situation where he took the Charlotte job from James Madison, basically reneged. and Yeah, he, didn't get off the runway. Basically, yes. ECU yeah. opened up, he's like, deuces. Yeah. <laughs> that's the better <laughs> job. But this is why, right? <laughs> Charlotte firing Will Healy and East Carolina being a six-point favorite over Houston with the talent pool that they have. It, listen, Houston, yes, is the more talented team on paper. East Carolina is not a badly or under – like, they're they're a talented team. That, that Carolina – a talent pool yeah it's better than people think yes absolutely it is very very it's fertile and stomped East, ucf yes yeah. exactly they they were right there with cincinnati Beat they BYU. stomped ucf they are right there Beat ecu memphis this could get bad yeah. i'm worried I, th I don't think it will i think they'll win i think i think ecu will win but and it'll be competitive but this is a game where houston does not if they have a stumble early like we've seen 
that could get bad because ECU is not that bad of a team to where Houston's going to be able to probably in the second half make it a lot closer than they made some of those games look uh, early in the year. This is a team that could possibly put hang beat you by double digits if you let this get off to a yeah, slow start. I mean, if Clayton Toon and Nathaniel Dell don't have a big game, Houston could lose 42-10. to 10. Easily. Yeah, and Houston's on the road again too, so that doesn't help. I mean, it's going to be like they're just going to have to score with them, like the SMU Houston. You know, like sure. I don't, I don't think yeah. to, like they just got to keep East up. Carolina's yeah. not going to score seventy-seven points. Right, That's exactly, not how they're exactly. built. But like they're going to score forty. I was about to say the yeah. way Houston plays defense, like and so thirty-five it, to ten's on the table, right? <laughs> and so if, if Clayton Tune and the offense doesn't, you know hold serve and mm-hmm. keep up with them, this thing could get ugly in a hurry. And where Houston is as a program, they'll fold. Yep. Let's move on to the Big 12. Texas playing Kansas this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. You can watch it on FS1. Texas coming in as nine-point favorites. The over-under is set at 64. To me, this feels like a get-right game for Texas. Like, they're going to come and just squash (laughs) Kansas. You think so? I think so. I, I really do. I feel like they need it. And I, I could I could see it because the meme of Kansas beating Texas, like obviously Kansas is better than last year, but I feel like Texas has had like that like they've had like night sweats of like Kansas beating Texas all year long. Yeah. So it would not stop. That's a good point. I don't know if they're gonna come out and stomp Kansas. I think they'll win. But I do think they've like they've a lot of these players have been like we cannot (laughs) lose to Kansas again, even though Kansas is a good team this year. I really think they're like no, this is gonna be like the Iowa State game for them. Was like no, 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 no. Brees Hall said what about five stars last year, right? And Iowa State almost beat them. I was about to say yeah, exactly. So (laughs) Iowa State almost beat. So I I think it'll be a competitive win. Yeah. But there's gonna be a lot of. Sark basically talked all about the offense at the press conference today. I was, I was watching in, understandably so, but he was basically like, we got to figure it out, you know, which, yes, that's that's the route to winning this game because the defense, I think, will be fine. I yeah. think if you can force Jason Bean at some turnovers, you know, I think he's capable of that. They're, they're, the offense has shown to be explosive, but if they're not getting those explosive plays, I think they can be reeled in a bit. Yeah. Um, Do you but think you're going to not need, you're going to need to be just clicking in yeah. our offense? Do you think we'll anyway. see Hudson Card kind of implemented into the offense a little bit? I think I think I'm Quinn curious. Ewers is still going to start, but I'm I wonder curious. if we'll see a little bit more of Hudson Card kind of sprinkled in here and there I just think to gives, see I, how he looks. If I was looks, a Texas fan, you know? I'd be furious if I do. I know. Like, at this point, you just can't. You think so? Because, like, if you're going to now, why didn't you right, last, games, last week? Games the week the before. Yeah. Right, right. Like right. Against Oklahoma State, against TCU, you, you didn't. Like, I feel like you've, yeah. you've tipped your hand. Let's put it right. this way. If they were in Austin this week, I'd say give you as a quarter. If they were in Austin and you as a still off, and fans are bo- – then you, it's like, all right, you yeah. go in there, Throw right? In there. Now it's like, I don't know. There's not going to be that shower of booze and all that. It's not going to be like a mental game with oh, him as much. Are we talking about if he struggles or just like – Oh, yes, yes. Oh, That's okay. kind of what I meant. I th- yeah, I yeah. thought we were just like, like if we oh, saw him yeah. yeah. in a series or two. No, no, no. I yeah. think, no, I, I agree with her. Yes. I think yes. he starts. That's what yeah. I meant. If he okay. starts, yeah. if he struggles, then, yeah, I think there's a yeah, possibility. Yeah, Because, I mean, we didn't see it At some point, there's got to be a hook. That's yeah, what I'm saying. He's be. not. He's they're, not untouchable. There just has right. to be. He can't be untouchable unless they sign some kind of like devil pact behind. Them. I have no. <laughs> right. Like I, at some point, kombucha devil sponsor. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. Like at, at some at some point. Yeah. I don't. I was made a really bet. Uh, we're not live, so I could. But uh, at some point, at some point, you got to put team in front of individual. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You know, and you could you could argue that Oklahoma State game that it was his first bit of adversity, his first road game. Right. You got you got to you got to count on the kid. But 
you know, this would be week four of, in a row of very mediocre play if it continued. And so eventually you got to just say, hey, man, come sit next to me. This is what it is. This is big boy football. This is not, you know, like I'm not holding your hand. Right. You know? right. So there's got to be consequences for poor play or why do you need to get better? I mean, if you can't perform well under pretty much no stress or anything, everything swinging in your side, you got mm-hmm. recruits on the sidelines, mm-hmm. I mean – why are you gonna why are you gonna play well against Kansas? The you reason know? I don't, I don't know. worry about this game as much as I think I would otherwise is that defense is playing so well that right. I assume yeah. they're gonna yeah. keep Texas in this game for long enough for Bajon Robinson and Xavier Worthy and just Jatavion Sanders. Just the overall talent of Texas mm-hmm. will yeah. overcome if the defense is see what happened last year is it becomes a shootout. Sure. And at that point, it's just like, who has the ball? Where's the ball bounce right? Who has the best play call? But if your defense is playing well, you can wait out the offense in an upset bid. And the other thing is, like, last week we saw Bijan Robinson get shut down by a, yeah, a good he's, TCU he's gonna front get 30 seven. touches. I was about to say, he's going to get th- – because Kansas' defense is not good. No. Right? They can, be, they can get got. So, yes, this is a get-right game for Quinn Ewers, absolutely. If he struggles, I do think we'll see Hudson Card. If he doesn't, I think he'll play the whole game. But also, yeah, Bijan Robinson, 20, 25, 30 touches. Yeah. Get out of there. Definitely. All right, let's switch to Conference USA now. UTEP playing FIU this Saturday at 3 p.m. If you want, you can watch on ESPN+. Oh, there's better games on, I think. UTEP (laughs) coming in as 14-point favorites. The over-under set at 51. The vibes are dire. (laughs) Come on, UTEP. you (laughs) got to beat this awful Another another vibe check game. The vibes need improvement. Yes, (laughs) yes, they do. This one's bad. God help Dana Dimmel if they don't win this one. I. You're playing a bunch of high schoolers, basically. Right, <laughs> a bunch of children, yeah. uh, and you're a JUCO team. And you know, as much as UTEP struggles in the Eastern Time Zone, this is a long trip for FIU. Yeah, and That's a good uh, point. you know, Miami compared to El Paso, a little bit different. Yeah, you, you want to know? know something? You you don't want. I will say, the thing that worries me about UTEP, FIU's also two wins away from a bowl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You and their schedule is Who much easier. Beat? So Who has FIU beat? They've beaten – well, bring it up. Have it up. So they beat Bryant. Sure. First game of the year <laughs> in overtime. Uh, they beat New Mexico State. They beat okay. Charlotte, La Tech. And that's it. So they have UTEP uh-huh. and Middle Tennessee coming up. Okay. Again, w- winnable is 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 uh, um, grading on a curve here because it is FIU, <laughs> and they do have the roster that they have. Yeah. But Charlotte, La Tech, they have beaten conference opponents <laughs> before. Yeah. And if – I'm just worried, right? That's all I'm saying. UTEP, I think you should Come on, on paper, <laughs> this team should be good enough to put this game away yeah. and salt it away and play the game they want to play, right? Where you're not asking Gavin Hardison to go play. Yeah, just run ball. the ball. Yeah. Just, 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 at, just this, play it safe, run the ball. Cause I'll tell you what, next week, you're not gonna be able to do that because you got UTSA. <laughs> so this is the last time you gotta play you can play your game Yikes. plan to a T and get it done. Yeah. Because if, if FIU takes you out of the picture, then you were never beating UTSA in the pick in the first place. That's true. No. So, that's a good point. Yeah, so that's my thing is my only worry is that FIU also still has something to play for. And for a young program that has nothing to lose right now, if they stay at four wins throughout the year, who cares? They weren't gonna they probably weren't right. expecting to go bowling anyway. So they're gonna throw out they're gonna throw caution to the wind and they're going to come out and try to knock off UTEP and end their bull hopes in hopes of keeping theirs alive so I think UTEP will get it done because this is the last opponent that you can play your game plan against but a little worried a little worried FIU's been a little bit uh, uh, friskier than I think people thought this year yeah just real quick I, I think the things working in UTEP's advantage is they had an idle week last week yes they were off you know mm-hmm. they played week they zero, played week zero so yep. they got their secondary by 
Uh, that'll really help, especially with the quarterback situation. Gavin Hardison left in the Rice game, so what mm-hmm. that's going to look like um, there for quarterback. But you know, I think defensively they're good enough yeah. to where they should, even if the offense struggles early to get back in rhythm, FIU can't get this one far enough away to get them out of their game plan. Yep. You yeah. know, like even if they struggle the first quarter, even the second quarter, they're going to stay within touching distance. I think that's good news for for UTEP. Yep. All right, let's close it all out Jesus. with okay. <laughs> Texas State playing Arkansas State at home this Saturday at 4 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN three. Texas State coming in as five and a half point favorites ish. Arkansas State's not. Good. And the over under <laughs> is 51. Dude, they better win this game. <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing else to say, but they have got to win this the game. The Lane Hatcher Bowl. Was, oh, God, you're right. Lane Hatcher. Yes. Lincoln, and, uh, Lincoln Perry. That's Lincoln right. Perry running back, too. Um, listen, the highlight here is that this is the 40th anniversary of the 1982 <laughs> national title team. <laughs> the they will be having here. a reunion, so that's the, probably the one thing that's going to get whatever fans are in the stands there because uh, <laughs> that's that's something that's something cool. So there you go. Because, uh, yeah, both these teams are not good. Arkansas State is in a bad spot right now. They've I'll been, be there. You'll be there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, you'll be there because mm-hmm. you, you had to see a Texas State game that they could possibly win. So, yeah. <laughs> so they'll be Playing there. this one well. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, two programs not in a great spot. Um, I will say, for um, probably a more negative on Arkansas State, Butch Jones costs a lot of money, so they're probably on the line for at least another couple of years with him. Um, Texas State, yeah, I mean, you're still kind of playing for your coach's job at this point. You're, you got no bowl. Um, you can kind of start to tick. If you can get the five wins, cool. We're increasing the win total by a, a win every year. I don't know, man. It's in, a, it's in a weird spot right now, and this game is just kind of like a – it feels like a, a – hangover kind of game you know after last week seeming like the season ending more or less is there anything that J- i mean because you're an alum sure you know all cards on the table yep. this is an alum right who cares more about texas state than most people i know yes right <laughs> is there anything that jake spavadol can do like if if, if texas state wins the next two games they win out mm-hmm. does he stay around like what like is this thing over or is this something that can be salvaged I think if this was something, and this is kind of the confusion of, to me, the silence of the administration. Right. Because I think if this was a job that could be salvaged, they would have released a statement after last week. Yeah. Because we came into the season saying, you got to get to a bowl. Right? Yeah. You got you to, whether you scrape there, you drag there, you claw there, whatever, you got to get to six wins. After that goal was unattainable, I think that's all you penciled the, jo- the, that, the change happening after that. After that happens, I think you do need to stake your claim. As an administration, you need to say, he's our guy, blah, blah, blah. Even if, it, even if it's just to say he's our guy and then you make a move at the end of the year. But at the, at the time, you say he's our head coach and you stick with him, right? Or if not, and you were probably going to you know, let him go, then let him go, you know, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. it's not fair to the staff, that you know, the interim staff, if you do fire him or they've got to try to game plan and motivate these guys that – they they're kind of unsure about if it's it's not it's not fair to the players who got to figure out what the hell they're doing with their future some of them right if they're going to stay yeah. around or not um it's not fair to the fan base who's trying to figure out what to be invested in and so i think the mystery of it all has kind of been the most frustrating part but to answer your question i honestly don't see there being a way unless he comes out and just like 
35 nothing, 35 like some something that's not going to happen, right? So like <laughs> like a blowout yeah. win because they just haven't won games like that. A blowout win in the past 2 weeks and the team looks crisp and Lane Hatcher looks like a guy that he has not looked like all season. Like I don't see it because recruiting again, we've talked about it. Recruiting momentum's not there, right? Um uh, the the president that we were so happy about being gung ho all of a sudden isn't tweeting about football as much. <laughs> he's like basketball starting. <laughs> like, I mean, to be honest, a lot of fans are too. Yeah. But um, he's tweeting a lot about the basketball teams and all that now. And so it's just like it's it's an odd air around the yeah. program right now. So yeah, I don't know. It's been a mystery. I don't think it's fair to be silent on it at all. If you're Don Coriel or Kelly Danfis, I think you should you should have they released a statement after a 40 point loss to Louisiana last year right something unheard of they got blown out and like some weird vague statement about believing in the coaching stuff something like that right yeah. that's all I'm asking for so um yeah the silence to me has kind of been the most frustrating part on yeah. behalf of the administration seems like the silence is very loud it's, you know? it's right right it the silence could be loud, deafening in some so. cases but it's also like cool can you at least speak on that <laughs> can right. you, everybody can kind of feel where the thing's going but unless something happens or something said we can't we can't yep. speculate we can't right. like you know it's hard to you know get a get a uh kind of get a thought together when yep. you don't really know what's happening yeah. so and then of course north texas is idle this week because they played in week zero and they get a second by week before they take on the owls of rice which yeah. and and what so. could be a monster, monster game. I will be there. For both teams. I will be there. You want to talk about a vibe check game? <laughs> yes. Are I the mean, vibes good anywhere? <laughs> we're potentially talking about North Texas playing for a conference championship invite mm -hmm. Rice and Rice playing, playing for, a bowl, for a bowl. And their head coach's job. And, and possibly Bloom's their head coach's job. job. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's going to be so good. Yeah, yeah. I'll be there. Talk so. like And for talking sure. around like – there are some like talking around on on the Rice's staff a little bit. They're like, yeah, we need that. Like yeah. we feel like we need that, yeah. right? We're not reporting anything. They could look at the progress they made. The Rice administration and say, good, we're good, and we're good to move this forward in the AAC. It's not for certain, right? Bowl game is certain. Yeah, right? that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Bowl that, game kind of solidifies that, it. Let's yeah. say it's 50-50. Without it, it's 100-0 with yep. it. Yes. You know, and exactly. so you can close the book on any of that speculation and, like, really settle in and not feel like you got to put your house up or something right. like that if, right. you win, if you win another game. Yep. That's it. Whew. All that righty. closes out week 12. We don't want to start our week 13 preview already. I was about to say, just like <laughs> – this Mal is a good segue. Mallory's face. Just I uh, I have stuff to do, Craven. Sorry. So. Sorry. That's okay. Mallory's face when you mentioned week 13, she was like, excuse me. <laughs> what All do you right. mean? It's only week 12. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, with that being said, we have interviewed 12 of the eventual 13 FBS head coaches. Shout out Sam Houston State. So you know damn well what that means. Jimbo Fisher, give us a call. And as always. You can say it this week. Go Rutgers. Go Rutgers.